0: And welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana Sanchez Bouchon, the Director of Music Ministries.
1: I am Derek Weber, the Director of Preaching Ministries.
0: And together we'll discuss how to plan worship during the Common Lectionary while creating worship series that are engaging, relevant, and adaptable for your church setting. Now, during these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading worship online, we have endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and feel connected even from a distance.
1: Today's episode, we're going to look at some blessings from the pandemic. Now, that seems like a strange thing to say. And certainly by talking about blessings and positive things we may find, we're not uh, trying to reduce the difficulties and the struggles that all of us have faced, or the loss of life or, or the physical pain that many people have suffered in the life of the church. We understand the severity of the situation in which we're in. And yet, even in the midst of that, we are looking at a Romans 8 kind of situation. In all things, God works for good with those who love God. So, Mm -hmm. What are the good things that we could find? That's part of what we're trying to help us experience and think about what we might learn and grow from here. The idea came to me because I stumbled across a Facebook live presentation from Dr. Lynn Sweet. And he, he had, I don't know, 12, 15, a whole bunch of different things. And I only came in at the end, so I'm not stealing all of his ideas. But <laughs> a, few, a few of them I thought I'd grab a hold of because I thought they were so good. But I also wanted to think from my perspective as the Director of Preaching Ministries, and perhaps Diana will share some from, from the musician's point of view, although they're struggling in some ways uh, differently Oof, than yes. preachers are uh, with all of this. But, but I still think that there are some good things in them. And so I wanted to start with actually one that I am stealing from Lynn Sweet, and it's just the phrase, and if you know Lynn Sweet, you know how he uses language in such a powerful way. And and the one that stuck in my mind, the blessing from the pandemic was that it helped us get over our edifice complex. Gotta think Mm -hmm. about that one for a minute. The (laughs) pandemic has helped us get over our edifice complex. What he meant by that is we rely too much on buildings. It's all about the building. When I was a serving pastor, the, the hours that we spent on taking care of the building and the money that we spent in taking care of the building. I'm just on signage. I'm sorry, exactly, exactly. And how best to use it and who can use it and, and where it can be. is All of that stuff is so draining of time and resources. Now, I love buildings. I love beautiful buildings and I find... Uh, An experience of God in in all kinds of buildings. But sometimes we put too much emphasis on that. And so maybe during this pandemic, because we've had to close the buildings and keep people apart, that maybe we can get beyond that and come back to an idea of what the church is really about. Yeah. It's not about the building. And so we can go ahead. I
0: was driving, I was just driving yesterday through Nashville, and uh I saw a church had a sign out in their lawn and it said the church meets here. So it's what is saying, of course, that the church is the people and they meet there, but they're not the building. And I love that. And it really struck me that they were making such a good point. And of course, right now the church meets online, the church meets wherever we can be connected virtually.
1: Right. And the church meets in smaller sections and at different places with When we bump up against each other, perhaps even in the grocery store, that's where the the church meets. One one of the statements that I've heard, a lot of different groups and my bishop back in my home conference kept saying, The church is not closed, the church is deployed.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: Out at work in the world. Um, Amen. I think there's something to be learned from that. As we look forward to coming back to the building, that maybe we'll hold it in a little different place. Not that we'll close down all our buildings, but but maybe we'll say there's more ministry that needs to happen than just what's in.
0: I think about right now we're in the midst of a hurricane season, and and um, already our church is out be, uh, helping people, helping them get prepared, and then they'll be there when um, the the hurricane goes past, and there are people needing food and shelter and. And comforting, and so again, your word about the church is deployed. It it absolutely is, especially in these trying times. And I, I'm always very proud of our United Methodist Church for being on the front line of most disasters that happen around the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we read the news and we see that, and we can we can take pride in the fact that Umcor and and Church Relief. Uh, agencies are at work in those places, and so we we're about to ramp up again because more is coming, and we're in the midst of it now that's
0: right that's right
1: well, the second blessing that I thought of actually connects to the first because the building has changed and because we can't have access to the usual kinds of things in our routines. I think the blessing is is that we have been called to be more imaginative. how can we do what we want to do how can we do worship but how can we do ministry how can we make disciples in new and different ways and my hope and belief is is that this spurt of imagination during this time will continue to carry us through into a new manifestation of the church amen yeah
0: yeah i've seen some really wonderful ways that people are meeting uh for worship or for gathering um of small groups uh, my daughter's been a part of a church this summer as an intern and uh, they have you know vespers on the lawn or um a, a group meeting under the pavilion. So they're all outdoors for all their meetings, but um they do it in a neat creative way and um and stay safe, and that's so important. Um and we've seen how online people have, especially musicians, have really taken um the call to be able to gather people for rehearsals or for virtual choirs um, and just learning how to do the things that they didn't think they knew <laughs> needed to know six or eight months ago, but went for it and um, have become quite imaginative in how they're leading worship and music in our churches now and sharing with one another. And that's another thing that I think this time has helped us is to, to be more united, to share our gifts with, you know, one community with another. Um, my friend David bone, who is a director of the fellowship of United Methodist in music and worship arts. I had a podcast with him a a few sessions ago and he, he calls this the gift of COVID. And we talked about that, how this time there are gifts, because it does make us use our imagination in ways that we hadn't been pushed to before. Um, So there are some really wonderful things happening. I love the drive-in aspect Mm -hmm. of worship. That's really gotten a lot of really neat things. Um, People thinking about how, well, because it also reminds us of our childhood of going to a drive-in. So it's kind of a double, you know, it helps us, relive our childhood, and yet in a new way of doing church.
1: Well, and that and that connects to another of the blessings uh, when you talk about the drive-in church or the church on the lawn. Um, and that is, I think that the pandemic has forced us to embrace the outdoors. That mm. way we can have space, we can have the physical distancing that we need, but we can also enjoy God's creation around there rather than just the building we've constructed. Now we can look at the trees and, and hear the birds and just be outside with that. And there, there's something exciting about that. I served a couple of different churches that had an outdoor service only part of the year because I lived in northern Indiana, so it uh, wasn't a good thing for the winter. But but during that time of the year when it was nicer out, you know, we, people would bring lawn chairs and we'd sit out. We created a space outdoor. And I see a number of churches that are doing that now. Um, so. So we're not closing ourselves off from God's creation. And it might invite us to focus a little bit more on some creation theology and to think more about climate change and, and what the church can say and do about that, because we're, we're living outside in a way that we weren't before. When you ignore what's going on, you, you can just pretend like everything's okay. But when you're out in it, you're going to see that a little bit.
0: I've so loved seeing families walking together uh, each evening, you know, uh, and and kids on bicycles and uh, the occasional golf cart with the whole family hanging out. You know, (laughs) it's really funny. But um, I even remember this has been months ago, right after everything shut down and having to go to a store um, looking for that, you know, that toilet paper everybody was after. And the whole section where the bicycles had been was empty because everyone seemed to have gone to go buy a bike for their child. And sure enough, you know, you see them riding down the street. That's a gift. That's a blessing uh, that, that our families are able to do that. And I've seen more families also bringing out lawn chairs and visiting with one another at a nice safe distance, maybe with their favorite beverage in their hand. Um, but being able to, um, have community in that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I love the idea of being outdoors. I think it does help us notice the changing of the season and, and the clouds and, um, and just be grateful, be in awe
1: of, of nature. But also be a little vulnerable too. You know, the wind may pick up or the rain may fall, and and Mm -hmm. and we remember we're not in charge of everything. You know, and and that there are some things we have to pay attention to a little bit. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think it also opens our eyes to our neighborhoods, as you're saying, as we walk through the neighborhoods, as we look at the surrounding community. You know, we've been drawn out of the building, out into the community. So, in some ways, I think. Um, the blessing is that community has become as vital as church, not just about us and what happens inside this place or with this group, but now we're connected in a, in a larger kind of way. So we're, we're seeing the world around us in a, in a new and perhaps more profound way because we're, we recognize that we're a part of that. And so we begin to ask questions about our community and, and our neighborhoods and what's around the church. It sometimes strikes me uh, uh, what, what's right next door to church buildings sometimes and how we can forget that we drive in our cars and rush from the parking lot into the sanctuary, and then we rush out of the sanctuary into our cars and we drive away. We don't live in the neighborhoods where our churches are so much anymore. Uh, That's so when, true. When we worship outside, when, when we're out on the porch, We see things, we notice things, and we begin to ask the question, how can the church be in service with and for our community that surrounds us? I remember years ago when when I started ministry, I attended the workshop because I was forced to, uh, you know, in those days when you have to do so many things. So I attended a workshop I didn't want to be at. And I don't even remember what it was about, but I remember whoever was leading it asked a question that has stuck with me all those years. And that question is, If your church closed down tomorrow, who would notice?
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and, and, And we've closed down, you know, the buildings have closed down. The church hasn't closed down, we hope, but buildings have closed down. Did anybody notice? How can we be vital to our community? How can we be a resource to our community? How can we be a good neighbor to our community? Not just those who attend, and not just with the purpose of getting people in, because we want to be in service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, to go to the next blessing, and that is we've been thinking about outreach in a new way and about invitation. How do we connect with people? One thing I have heard again and again from pastors and worship leaders from all over the denomination is that they are finding an audience they never had before. When they went to online, their numbers have increased. Many, many churches are doubling or tripling who would normally be there in their congregation because now they've gone online. And so now they're beginning to ask questions about how do we continue to serve that community, that online community.
0: Uh, and I I see a concerted effort by churches to offer online um book studies, Mm -hmm. um, and other ways that people can meet that from, from all over the world. And I took part in a book study not too very long ago with a group in Austin, which is where I'm from. And in that group of 20, 25 women, we were studying a Renee Brown book, um, for six weeks. There are people from Seattle and from Nashville Mm -hmm. and from Washington, you know, other just across the whole country. And that wouldn't have happened uh, like that if we had done it the same old way. So, yeah, and and I think that is a really good way of thinking about outreach, how to serve those people that are now finding our services online. And we've got to go that next step. Always we've got to go that next step and invite them into a study or a, a coffee time together, a Zoom coffee time or some meditation time There's just so many ways now that we can um, find something in common that then we can build a community around. Um, So, yeah, I think we can expand our outreach in new and dynamic ways,
1: yeah. I've I've even heard pastors have been a part of conversations about what membership means. Is it possible to be a member and never come to the church building? Is it possible to to be in Seattle and and join a church in Nashville or or who knows where you know it. Are you really a? Me- what does it mean to be a member? What does it mean to be in fellowship? What does it mean to be in service? And we're back to the imaginative part, you know, as we think about what it means to to do all these other kinds of things. Um, one pastor was saying we're going to start an online membership class, and mm-hmm. these people may never come to our church, but they're going to mm-hmm. be members of our congregation. I don't know how many have gone that far with it yet, but but like you say, how do we make connections? How do we get people connected to the body online or on the phone or in neighborhoods or whatever? We've got to think new ways. It's not always y'all come to church. You know, y'all come to the building. All of our meetings, all of our classes, all of our studies are here in this facility.
0: Right. Uh, well, and also I, I think we have to... Re- figure out what's the most important thing. Is it connecting with people or is it increasing our roles? Is it, um, you know, having people come to the church or be a part of the community virtually? Is that okay? Um, So I I think those are still questions that people, church leadership is still trying to figure out what is the most important thing that we're going to keep from the blessing of COVID. And, um, and, How are we going to, you know, let that manifest into this new church that we're seeing unfold before our very eyes? Um, Something that I ran across just yesterday on my desk, I was looking for something and I ran across something I'd written down from a a pastor who was preaching. She's actually a DS. And uh, when she said it, I just had to write it down. And I just thought this was so Um, apropos to our time right now, and also just some things happening in our lives. But she said, transformation happens, not when new things happen, but when old things fall away. And that just stuck with me, I couldn't write it down fast enough. So a lot of new things are happening. That doesn't mean that transformation is happening. But when we let old things fall away, then we are changing. And you know, you think about that, chrysalis, the caterpillar that becomes a a cocoon and then becomes a beautiful butterfly. What if we're in the cocoon moment right now? And at some point, we need to shed a whole lot of stuff to then become that new beautiful thing. Um, That's that's hopeful, and yet it's also very challenging. What's the important thing to keep and what can we let go of?
1: yeah yeah well, well, that's part of that conversation about going back to normal people you know we we cling to the normal when can we go back well you know we all know you can't go back you only go forward and what's the new thing and what will it look like and what will it feel like um, yeah. As, yeah as I thought about blessings I thought about from my perspective as, as a director of preaching ministries preaching is changing has changed somewhat when you go to an online kind of mode i'm in the process of developing some uh, teaching opportunities webinar um, about online preaching. And so, but I think, I think some of these changes may be changes that are good for the state of homiletics for the state of preaching in the church today. The first one that I think um, the pandemic has forced us to think about, and that is what really matters in preaching. What is the focus as I talk with preachers? Uh, and help preachers think about this shift from standing in a pulpit with a gathered group of people to now being online. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the first things you've got to realize is attention spans are even more important (laughs) in the online, because when we're in church, there are things to distract us. When we're at home, you just multiply that a million times. (laughs) I was speaking with a pastor friend recently who's been surveying his people about when they're going to come back and, and be the church. And there are a number of them who are saying, you know, I kind of like the way it is because mm-hmm. I can do other things while I listen to you. So so already we know, you know, you've got a divided attention uh, going on. So so to preach for 30 minutes or 40 minutes or however long preachers have been preaching, you know, it just doesn't work as well. So how do you get to the essence of what you're trying to do uh, Focus on what really matters, I think, is important. One of the recommendations I gave to a group of preachers that I was speaking to uh, a little while ago was, go ahead and write your sermon. Prepare your sermon that you've always done up to now, but then throw it away. (laughs) Or put it online and say, go read this and just tell the most important thing. Just Mm. lean in and and say, here's what I really want to talk about. This is Mm. what's really important the crux of this matter. When Jesus can do a parable in one verse, we can certainly do a sermon a little more focused than we've been before sometimes.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think, again, I think this is a time when we can shed some things of the way we were doing and perhaps wasn't quite as effective um, and and refocusing so that things are... uh, have more meaning and um, and really gives the, that impetus of what we're trying to say and, and tell people in a much shorter form than we had been. And because of, of, you know, virtual online worship, you can't be on it for two hours and expect people to, to hang with you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly.
1: Uh,
0: you got to drill it down. The other thing I was thinking about, Derek, as you were talking, is it when you said that people are starting to like this now and maybe won't mm-hmm. come back to the sanctuary. I know that's yeah. a great fear is, you know, as humans, we are very adaptable. We got thrown into this time of quarantine and shelter in place, and we're adapting pretty well. I mean, I, I know there's, there, you know, there are challenges, of course, but pretty soon this is kind of the way it's always been kind of feeling. Right. And so now then we're going to have a shift again to something different once we can all meet together again and sing together again. And the hopeful, I want you to hear the hopeful in that is that, that we are adaptable. And, and so as leaders, I think we have to be, um, really specific of what, what, how we're going to lead people and into into what, um, styles of worship and, and the way we do things because People will adapt to it pretty quickly. There may be, you know, people who are um, unhappy for a while and um, maybe speak up. That's, that's natural. That happens in the church all the time. But by and large, people adapt. So, but yeah, that's just something I was thinking about as you were speaking, um, that it's funny that already six months in, this is becoming a, a different kind of normal Mm-hmm.
1: and um and some folks really like it. yeah, they do and uh, but I also think it means that as we go forward, um we're going to have to multiply our offerings as opposed to return to a single uh, one of the things that another group of pastors revealed to me in their thinking was that that in the past, some of these had had online services they they had uh, they would stream the service. But it was Mm -hmm. most basically an afterthought. It was just, oh yeah, yeah, those are there. For the people who can't make it, you know, you can watch in. It'd be like standing outside the sanctuary looking in the window. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not really talking to them. They're out there, but you don't mind if they look in, right? Well, now the mindset has shifted and said, okay, how do I focus on them? Because they're the only audience right now. But then when you have an audience that's present and an audience that's online, how are you gonna? bifurcate your your focus a little bit to, to cover both of them. Or are you going to set up separate? This is my online service and this is my in-person service. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different ways that this will probably manifest itself. And there are advantages to in-person that you don't get online, but there are also advantages to online that you won't get um, in person. So mm-hmm. so I think I think that's back to the creativity thing. And we have to think about how can we adapt to include more. Mm-hmm. Yes. The other well, I, as- go ahead.
0: Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Derek.
1: Well, I was just going to say the other aspect of this shift in preaching has to, to me, comes down to an area that, that might be surprising to a number of folks, and that is we have a new awareness, a new appreciation for intimacy. Too many preachers, many preachers felt like this was a a less intimate way because I can't look people in the eye. I can't, I can't talk directly to them. And some of the early conversations about online preaching talked about the difficulties of preaching to an empty room. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand that, and that's true because because we're used to a live connection and we feed off of people's responses. Whether we're in the traditions that are lively enough to actually speak up and and. Do a call and response as we preach, or whether we're in like many churches, the response is a little more subdued and you have to look carefully, but there's a response that's out there. And so they they felt like they lost that. But in fact, what is happening is it's a much more intimate way online because you're talking one-on-one. It may be a hundred people or a thousand people, but it's still one-on-one, or one family, one group that's that's there. And you can lean into that in ways mm-hmm. that you couldn't in the larger group.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is a new intimacy in preaching um, that I think preachers need to grab a hold of and, and say, okay, now I'm sitting down with you and I'm going to talk to you one-on-one, person-to-person about mm-hmm. the the essence of the faith, you know, about the person of Jesus Christ, about about the glories and the struggles and the possibilities and the hardships of of this walk that we're on together and it's a it's a hand holding walking together down this path.
0: Yeah it's it's intentionality. Mm -hmm. Isn't it it's about really having that intention of sharing at a deeper level.
1: Yeah I think I think that's the possibility that if if we choose to claim it Mm -hmm. as I look online I see what many people have done is they've just taken their normal Sunday thing and they just filmed it or videoed it and, and are now broadcasting it. And that works to a degree that keeps things going and keeps people connected. But I think the, the potential is there for something more, much more profound, much more intimate, much more intentional, as, as you say. That's a good word, Diana. Um, I think we have to rethink what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish in that moment.
0: I've seen some of that as well with the musicians um you know first off uh, everyone was clamoring to get that virtual choir video together were you know around easter time and and of course that's a season when musicians have been working for weeks to put together all the easter music you've got instrumentalists everybody else so it seemed early on in this pandemic um everyone was scrambling to learn how to do those virtual choir videos. And then what I've seen is that, yes, there's still some of that happening and they're beautiful and they do um, nourish us and and support us in many wonderful ways. But I've seen more of the intimate um, style of sharing, whether it's a hymn festival once a week, Mark Miller does that. He sings through hymns. Um, There are other people that I, I follow from the fellowship of, of United Methodist and musical worship arts who also do hymn festivals every week. Um, and, and it's much more intimate. And they they're like, uh, text me a, a hymn number and we'll sing that hymn. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I've seen is, uh, the couple three or four churches that I attend <laughs> on a regular basis, seeing some of the, songs and uh solos and small ensembles that they've put together to to lead worship that's online. Um using some of the voices that might have never really been um in the chancel on a regular basis, but because of being able to do this in their own home um and and being asked to do this. And sometimes I think that that falls on the music directors That perhaps we don't ask enough different people to share their gifts. Um, but seeing some of those videos or parts of worship when a soloist is this child and then a a youth and an adult. And, um, so to me that feels more intimate and more intentional and more authentic, um, for that, for the these different communities of faith, and I think that's, I I, I applaud that. I think that's mm-hmm. a great way of using what we need to be doing right now to enhance
1: our communities of faith. Yeah, I I think we need both the big, you know, the virtual choir with hundreds of people from all over. I, th- I think like you say, we need that to be lifted up. But but I think the small may be the direction most of us need to to focus our energies on, the the one-on-one, the intentionality about it. I I want to ask a question, Diana, and this may be off our topic, I don't know, but what about congregational singing? How do we how do you do that? There's there's a personally, you know, I attend a number of churches online as well. But I rarely sing the hymns, even though I know the hymns and love the hymns and grew up singing those hymns. And it just feels funny sitting in my <laughs> family room singing to the TV, you know, when I have an online service. So, so
0: it does feel funny. I know. And it feels funny for me and my husband. He he and I watch together and he's a wonderful singer. And so um and it does feel um. Uh, not not as satisfying as if we were in a big room and we could really lift our voices. I, I, I'm also concerned at the fact that we don't sing as much as we used to because there's not choir rehearsals and there's not congregational singing on Sundays that I feel my voice has changed. Um, so I, I say it does feel funny, but we got to do it. We got to do it for our own soul's sake and we got to do it for our our physical, um, our singing apparatus. We got to keep it primed because, man, when when we do, when we are able to gather again, even if it's outside for a while, um, I want to be ready to sing and not hurt myself as a singer. Um, and in the meantime, you know, if you if if it feels so weird to lift your voice to vibrate your vocal cords then sing along in your mind and Mm -hmm. recall what it sounded like in that room with everyone else singing and, and watch the words and internalize the words. You can sing that way. It doesn't have to always be an audible sound. It can be a much more internal um, sense of the song. Um, So I think it's a combination of all those things. Sometimes I the words move me and I can't sing anyway. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. So, but I'm still singing and it's just not audible. And I think God hears all of our singing, whether it's with (laughs) breath or if it's simply in, in our hearts, I think God hears it and is pleased. And, um, and we're going to get through this and we are going to start singing together. Um, so we, we just have, we're in this Advent, season, the season of waiting and, and I'm watching and preparing. So yeah, think about singing even by yourself as a moment of preparing for when we get to sing together again.
1: And I think uh, a word that I would give to worship leaders uh, is go ahead and lean into the funny feeling about that. When you introduce a hymn or a song and say, this is going to feel weird sitting in your living room singing along, but do it anyway. You know, we've got to do just the kinds of things that you were just saying there. If if we just admit that, let's admit that this is unusual, yes. not just try to pretend that it's the same as it always was and and fold that into. That's part of that intimacy of being able to talk about what's really going on in this moment. Yeah. Talk about how weird and- that is.
0: Yes, and and let's keep practicing because all of this is practice, isn't it? We it's the practice of worship, it's the practice of discipleship, it's the practice of singing. We we it's a active um, event that we have here, so we have to be active in it. So yeah, well, okay. uh, Derek, as we're finishing up, do you have one blessing of COVID for you personally in your family that you can name?
1: Well, I, I would say that that uh, my relationship with my wife, because we're together all the time, uh, <laughs> has grown and changed. We've been married forty years. It was our fortieth anniversary this May, and we had a big event planned in May, but of course, mm-hmm. none of it happened. But I've just enjoyed being with her, you know, every single day again, and we've grown into a new place. Our kids are away, um, and and we miss them and try to keep in touch with them, but but I. You know, I think that relationship has grown and changed uh, in this time, and I give God thanks for that. Amen. Amen. Neglect the people closest to us sometimes.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 the same way. I've I've enjoyed spending time with my husband, and um, and our two daughters are with us. And so the evening walks after dinner, um, just enjoying the clouds and nature and the quiet and um, that has been such a blessing to us and has made us stronger. And, mm-hmm. and when one of us starts to fall apart because this is a tough time, uh, you know, that there are, a, there's somebody there to catch you. And so, and I pray for those, um, for our friends and family that maybe don't have a spouse or someone living with them. I am, am concerned for them and I hope the church is there showing their support for those folks. So. Well, um, thank you all for joining us today as we talked about the blessings of COVID, um, the blessings that this pandemic has, has revealed to us. Um, and we hope that this podcast today has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information at our website at umcdiscipleship.org, especially in the uh, area of planning worship as, as you're thinking about this fall. So until next time, we'll be praying for you and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world.
1: This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.